Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hello and welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And of course, if you couldn't already tell, I'm not Dr. Pat. I'm Candace McLean, host of Everyday Miracles on the Transformation Network. And I'm going to be filling in today for Dr. Pat, who is taking some time off for the holidays to probably kick back and relax for a while, as she should. Thanks so much for tuning us in. Hey, Benny, are you still there with me? I am here, Candace, and welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here today. How does it feel to be flying solo over there today without Dr. P? You know what? It's not bad, actually. Um, not to say she's done this a couple times before, so I'm kind of used to it, but, uh, you know, she's always missed here in the studio, and I'm glad she's actually visiting family and friends back east. She really needed that well-deserved time off. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask you, are you all ready for the holidays? Uh, I certainly am. Did my uh, shopping, finished it all up last weekend. I got to tell you a quick little story, though. While shopping around, I don't know, like people that are at the malls and learn how to park don't park anymore and they can't figure it out. It's crazy. There's a mall up yeah. north of here. It's actually next to, um, it's an outlet area, so to speak. So, you know, there's better sales. There were people parking up on where, like, the grassy knoll areas are and stuff like that. Like, they really couldn't wait for a spot, so they're parking in and everywhere. Even where cart returns are, they're parking in there. Oh. I didn't think shoppers could do that, but they must need you – know, they, they were out for those sales. I know. And, <laughs> you know, this is the thing that I've actually been trying to avoid in the worst way. You're smart. And But it hasn't quite worked out. You know, I thought I had a brilliant <laughs> idea the other week there because we always get the Sears catalog. And, by the way, kids just love it. They go through there and pick out everything they want. Well, that's good. So, yeah, well, I thought, well, why don't I just order everything from the catalog since everything they want is in there. Uh And it says right on it, you have until December 19th. So, of course, December 19th, I go to place my order, and they are sold out of, like, 80% of the things that the kids wanted. (laughs) So now I've been power shopping, and I'm probably one of those people who've been parking on the grassy (laughs) knolls and name it. I like how you say that, power shopping, because that's what a lot of people are doing right now. Exactly. And I heard you have two little ones on the way as I well. do. I'm expecting twin boys here in January. And, uh, yeah, we've done quite a bit of uh, shopping ourselves and are very thankful for those friends and uh, family members who have offered, uh, you know, gifts from uh, their children that have you know passed back down to us. And we're <laughs> going through as much as we can. Literally, my house, I thought it was going to be organized, but forget about that idea. Yeah, you need two of everything now. Oh, man, it's ridiculous. Like, and it'll whew. always be that way, too. I know. Because, you know what? I have twins. Do you? I do. Oh, and they're turning cool. they're turning eight years old in January, Oh, actually. Well, that's awesome. So, uh, boy, girl, boy, boy, girl, girl? Boy, girl. That was boy, girl. Okay. They get and, along, though. Ah, uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not now. But you know what? It was one of the best experiences oh, that's great. I've ever had because... You know what it is? Is they've got this relationship that they've already formed in the womb. Yes. So they're like roomies already. Aww. So when we put them in the same room together, right? You know, right beside each uh-huh. other, they'd wake up in the mornings and they would look at each other and talk, and they already had this thing going on. So they didn't really need mom or dad to come get them. They wouldn't cry for us because Aww. they had each other. Well, that's good. That's good so, because they have their own little companionship. That's right. Mm-hmm. So that's what you have to look forward to, but. I don't even think I'll tell you about what happens when there's two. No. I'll <laughs> leave that as a surprise for me. 
I will. I will. And I'm sure you can get back to me on that one. I will. Well, thanks so much, Benny. Today, we have an amazing show for all of you. We're going to be talking about a very interesting subject, near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences. And do these experiences reflect moments of spiritual ecstasy and revelation? And are there physiological explanations for those tunnels of light, for all of those things that these people experience? Well, in his new book coming out next week called The Spiritual Doorway in the Brain, A Neurologist's Search for the God Experience, our guest today, Dr. Kevin Nelson, considered the world's leading neurologist on near-death experiences, offers the very first comprehensive, empirically tested, and peer-reviewed explanation of the biology behind mystical human experiences. And his groundbreaking research delves deep, deep into the mystery of our spiritual lives to reveal the biological machinery that enables us to perceive the miraculous. A fabulous show. But let me first introduce you to Dr. Kevin Nelson. As I mentioned, he is a world-renowned neurologist with over three decades of experience examining the processes of spiritual sensation. And he spent the last 26 years as a professor of neurology at the University of Kentucky. And presently as a physician leader, Dr. Nelson oversees the medical and surgical practice of 1,300 physicians and healthcare providers. Much of his work has been published in scientific and medical journals. And he appears quite frequently on television to discuss his findings on near-death experience. Dr. Nelson, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Candace. It's a real pleasure to be with you. Now, with all of your experience as a neurologist, I'm just curious, what was it that prompted you to, to ever research the brain as it applies to spiritual experience? Well, that started actually a very long time ago when I, when I was young, and uh, I was just beginning my medical training as an intern, and I had, had really what was, in many ways, one of, one of the most astounding things that's ever happened to me in medicine. I was caring for a patient by the name of Joe, and he and I came from very different cultures. I, I grew up in the upper Midwest along Lake Michigan where it's cold and frigid at times, and he lived his life in the desert southwest of New Mexico, but we had somehow forged a real bond, and I, and I was very fond of him, but he was very sick, and um, during one of his illnesses, he was he was in the um, hospital in the ICU and was really hovering toward death, and he had this miraculous vision where, as he lay in the, in the intensive care unit, the a vision of the devil came to him, and the devil was there to take his soul. And uh, the devil actually was about to take his soul when, his, when Joe's guardian angel came and appeared and and did battle with the devil. But the devil was pretty strong and and uh, was about to uh, whisk Joe away when uh, his Savior Jesus Christ came and dispelled the devil. And, and Joe knew at that point that his life was transformed and saved. And it made a very powerful impression on him, of course, and and he went home, and, and though he was a, a simple man, um, he painted a picture. Now, I didn't know about that, but one day when, when in the office, he was, he was telling me about this, this incredible experience, and um, I wanted to learn a little bit more about it, and he said, well, I've got a, a, 
a picture of a painting, and I'll bring that to you. And sure enough, one day he, he returned and showed me this painting, and it was, it was just phenomenal. And it made a real impression on me. You know, I was interested in, in neurosciences at that time and how the brain works, and, and I'd wondered, you know, what was going through Joe's brain, you know, at the time that he was having this, this very astounding experience. But um, at that time, I was not, you know, able to pursue that in my career. In fact, um, at that point, uh, neuroscience wasn't nearly as well developed as it is now. So I took his picture that he gave me, and I kept it for years and years and years. And and one day I was looking at it, and I thought to myself, you know, maybe this is the time to start looking at these uh, these experiences. And uh, so I started reading about them, and, and of course, the first place to start is to start with the uh, book of the man who coined the term near-death experience, and that's that's uh, Dr. Ray Moody, a psychiatrist. And so I was reading one Sunday morning, and uh, and I read one of his accounts in there, and I was really looking at them through the eyes of a clinical neurophysiologist, you know, someone who is used to brain systems and thinking in those terms and how brain systems manifest themselves as symptoms and people's experience. And then I ran across one of his uh, patients or that he gave, or one of his accounts that he, he gave in, in his book, and it was a lady who had um, a cardiac arrest in the radiology suite. And she laid there, and the physician was attending to her, thought she had died, and was talking on the phone, expressing that fact. And and later she recounts feeling, I wasn't dead. I knew I wasn't dead. I, I tried to move and let them know, but I couldn't. And I thought to myself, you know, uh, what what physiologic and natural process causes people to feel paralyzed? And because uh, this is clearly what what uh, this lady had described, and then it hit me uh, very suddenly that well, each night we are paralyzed for a period of time, multiple times during the course of our sleep, and, and that's during the REM stage of consciousness. And then when I had that little key and started looking at people's experiences with that key and through that lens. A lot of things really fell into place for me. So I imagine throughout your career that you must have encountered a lot of people who've had what they would call spiritual experiences, maybe not exactly like Joe's, let's say, but that near-death type of experience. Yeah, I have encountered a lot. Um, okay. And I, I didn't realize, though, how astounding of... Um, an experience that Joe has given me until, you know, later on when I realized that Joe was the only person that really came to me with that kind of experience, with a picture, and uh, and spontaneously brought it to me. Um, most people, you have to inquire a little bit, and once they find out that I'm I'm interested in these experiences, that I'm re- I'm receptive to them, that I treat them with the reverence that they deserve, then it sort of snowballs. And and I oftentimes it may be acquaintances that I know, maybe other physicians that I know, um, can be patients. Um, oftentimes it doesn't come up in the course of when I'm taking care of patients, but it may. It, it has, in fact, and it's been quite surprising at times. 
Um, but over the years, I, I assembled um, a large number of these stories. Because I, I was interested not just in near death, which I think is very common, and because it's common, it tends to, in, in, the, in the interest of everybody, it tends to drown out other kinds of spiritual experiences. But, but I'm interested in the broad range of, of spiritual moments, how, how the brain is working, not just near and near death, but, but at other times as well when people feel that they're, they're touching the divine. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're going to discuss um, more about this and what you discovered about REM in the next segment. But for now, we're going to go to a quick break. You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. We'll be right back. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com. Are you ready for a joyful and successful realty experience? Today's real estate market is challenging, complex, and constantly changing, and is one of the best times in years to buy or sell a home. But you'll need to find the right person to help you on your journey, one who understands the opportunities and will make this the best experience of your life. Kathy Staff is just that person, an experienced real estate agent who knows the pitfalls, can spot the red flags, and guide you to a successful, positive purchase or sale. Kathy Staff can spot the real deals, saving you time chasing a listing only to find it's not available. Known as the positive real estate agent, Kathy will make your next sale or purchase easy, fun, and successful. Start this journey with positive energy. Call Kathy at 206-276-1070. That's 206-276-1070. Or visit PositivePathHome.com. PositivePathHome.com for the most positive realty experience of your life. Are you feeling stuck? Do you want to be free from fears and doubts and finally feel good about yourself, but you just don't know how to get there? Dr. Schaub's Accelerated Breakthrough Program provides you with the tools and solutions to go beyond your limitations and achieve self-empowered confidence. Call for your free phone consultation at 866-903-MIND. Visit CellularWisdom.com. That's CellularWisdom.com. Do you feel energetically bankrupt? Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Did you know CRA anticipates a problem and solves it before it occurs and often prevents a disaster waiting to happen? With CRA, we have predictable results before the onset of illness. CRA is an energy assessment of the body's electrical circuits, evaluating the emotional, structural, and nutritional needs of the body. By reinforcing the body with specific nutrition to promote peak performance, CRA detects the results of what the body has been taking in causing ill health and gives insight into removing the obstacle to healing and nourishes the body back to health. CRA balances you emotionally, nutritionally, and structurally for you to be the best you can be and gives you a glimpse of a world where aging appears to be slowed indefinitely. With CRA, I will design a program for your specific needs. Call us at 888-777-4232. That's 888-777-4232. And visit us at MaryJaneMack.com. 
And welcome back. I'm Candace McLean, your guest host today, filling in for Dr. Pat. Today on the show, my guest is Dr. Kevin Nelson, professor of neurology at the University of Kentucky and the world's leading neurologist on near-death experiences. Now, Dr. Nelson, if people want more information on you or your research, where can they find out more information online? The easiest way to reach me is at, uh, through email, kevin at thespiritualdoorway.org. Kevin at thespiritualdoorway.org. Great. So I want to get into a little bit about the research that you did. Now, when you were attempting to begin all of this, where did you decide to start? I mean, in your mind, what were the questions that you needed to answer? That is a very daunting question, actually, and because we don't really know exactly when someone in the brain is having a near-death experience, and 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 these are they are stories that people tell us after the fact, sometimes long after the fact. But I was convinced, not convinced, but certainly I was very intrigued to know if the brains of people who've had near-death experience was different. We've known for quite a while that not everybody has a near-death experience when they're approaching near-death, like cardiac arrest. About 5 to 10% of people will have um, a a near-death experience, or that means that 80% or more um, will not have that experience. So um, as a neurologist, I was convinced that their brains must be different in some way. I mean, that's just the way neurologists are, are think and are built. And so I wanted to get at how their brains could be different. And um, I was um, very um, interested in knowing if REM consciousness um, could be playing a role. And so I was wondering if their their brains, the switch in their brains that brings us from waking to REM consciousness was somehow different. Now, so maybe explain a little bit about what REM consciousness is exactly. To the brain, um, there's only three states of consciousness. You're, you're awake. Right. You're in REM stage of sleeping where people dream. That's where they're paralyzed, so they don't act out their dreams. And there's um, the visual system is very active during that time. And the third state is non-REM sleep. Now, you people will banty about consciousness and, and the meaning of that, but, but to a neurologist who's looking at the brain, those are the only three states that we have, have to choose from. And so I was interested to know if somehow the REM consciousness could leak into waking consciousness. During most people's lives, we switch from waking to REM consciousness literally at the flip of a switch. And this this switch works perfectly 99.999% of the time or more. But in some people, that switch is different. And the elements of REM consciousness, you know, the dreaming part, the vision part, the paralysis part, can actually break off and fragment. And 
instead of going away when we go into waking consciousness, it can actually stay active. Now, commonly this is um, happens when people may wake up and they're paralyzed, unable yeah. to move. Um, it's a very frightening condition. And uh, that's when the paralysis of REM consciousness is left over and, and still working during waking consciousness. It's and, actually a very frightening experience for people. Oh, it must be. as a hypnotherapist, I've actually worked with people who, who experience that, and, and they're very afraid because they, they, they are aware, but they cannot move their body. And they feel as if there's a crushing weight, perhaps. They, they may have uh, visions and hallucinations right. that are also REM, um, REM consciousness-based. And if it happens a lot, the fear tends to diminish, but oftentimes this happens only a couple times in their life, and, and it's startling and terrifying. And, but that is one example of REM consciousness kind of intruding and blending in with waking consciousness, where these conscious states in the brain kind of, they, they blend with one another. And when they blend, you're in a kind of funny borderland of consciousness. You're not fully in waking consciousness. You're not fully in REM consciousness. You're in kind of a, a funny borderland. And, and I think that that's what's happening with near-death experiences, because what we found was that people who have had a near-death experience are much more likely in the course of their lives to have their REM brain switch blend waking and REM consciousness together. They have a greater tendency for that. And we also know that the conditions that surround near-death experiences oftentimes can bring this on. Uh, for example, if the heart, the main nerve from the heart is stimulated, that can immediately evoke REM consciousness uh, during wakefulness. So that's the kind of thing we would expect in cardiac arrest or simple fainting. Um, right. So we knew their brains were different, and we knew that they're probably behaving differently um, in the conditions that would be likely to bring REM consciousness on. So given your research then, what were, what were the common elements that you found made up a near-death experience? I mean, there's certain things that we hear about. There's, there's a tunnel. There's a light. What kind of other criteria are there? Well, that's, um, they are very common. The tunnel and the light are very common. A feeling of being transported to another world, um, out-of-body experiences, a sense that, that one has actually died or a feeling that someone has, has died. Um, and so the things that most people are familiar with in the near-death experience through the many accounts that have been in the media um, those were very common in our series um, as well. And one of the things that I think is um, really under-recognized is how common these kinds of experiences um, are, or we believe they are. Um, do you think that they are more common, or do you think that people are just more open to speaking about it now? I think they're very common, and I think they're also more um, inclined to speak about that. That. That's not to say, though, that um, there isn't some a lot of hesitancy um, to speak about these because they're so unusual of an experience from our day-to-day -day lives. 
not just near death, but out of body experiences as well. Um, sure. Yeah, I think people are hesitant. I, um, for example, um, we know from large surveys that one out of 20 persons has had an out of body experience. So if I give a talk on this topic and there's um, 100 people in the room, I'll, I'll have oftentimes one or two people come up to me after the talk and say, you know, I've had one of these. Um, it was very spooky. Um, I had never talked about it to anyone else just because it's so strange. You know, mm-hmm. what would people think? Um, and so I think they're actually um, remarkably common. And and for some people, these types of experiences, whether they're near death or out of body, sometimes they're very comforting. In fact, the whole experience is very vivid. In fact, they'll go on to say it's it's more real than their real life in terms of the imagery, the colors, the, the feelings that they have. Can can you actually um, show that, that is, there's a difference in the brain? Well, um, I should um, speak a little bit about um, out-of-body experiences because um, right now, um, through recent work, there's there um, we know a great deal about these these kinds of experiences, and uh, for example, we know we can we can bring on an out of body experience with a flip of a switch if we if we stimulate the temporal parietal area that's kind of, that's side of, that's part of the brain that's right on the side of your head. If we do it just right, literally with the flip of a switch, we uh, we can bring someone out of their body. So that uh, it takes about the amount of current of one hundredth of a sixty watt light bulb, and literally by turning the switch on, they're out of their body. Turn the switch off, they're back in their body. So we know what part of the brain is involved with out of body experiences. Now, okay. what's intriguing, and this is the fascinating part. I mean, that is fascinating too, but <laughs> but. but um, what what adds to that fascination is the fact that that is the same part of the brain that is turned off during REM consciousness. Okay. And so that is why we have found out-of-body experiences to be so common during REM consciousness. Now, Dr. Nelson, I just want you to hold that thought because we're going to take another quick break right now. But when we come back, we're going to talk more with Dr. Nelson all about his upcoming book and his research. We'll be right back. We are living in a time of great challenges and greater opportunity for transformation. The good news is that public awareness of the need for change is also growing exponentially. More than ever, your transformative message is needed to empower millions across the globe. Hi, I'm Dr. Pat, host of The Dr. Pat Show, and I'm excited about announcing an unprecedented opportunity for growth as we expand our broadcast by launching Transformation Talk Radio and the Transformation Network. Join me and a team of amazing people and host your own show on Transformation Talk Radio. Get ready to expand your horizons, tap into the best listeners anywhere, and join one of the most positive and expansive networks today. Historically, there came a time when the boundary of water was transcended as man developed the boat. 
and the barriers of water became freeways. Join Dr. Pat as she launches this exciting venture. To host a show, call 1-800-930-2819 or email host at transformationtalkradio.com. Are you tired of using skincare products full of unpronounceable chemicals? Do you eat ramen by candlelight to support your expensive candle-burning habits? Well, come on down to Scenic Supplies. We have everything you need to make your own soap, candles, creams, and much more. We're open from 10 to 6, 7 days a week. Come explore our store at corner of 63rd and Roosevelt, just north of the U District in Seattle. Call us at 206-525-7997. Find recipes and more at zenithsupplies.com. Discover the ancient art of herbal medicine today. Herbs can help our bodies respond better to the modern world's stress and toxicity as well as nourishing and strengthening. Using organic herbs from around the world, the skilled herbalists at Urban Wellness help you choose the herbs best suited for your body. See what herbs can do for your life and health by visiting our downtown Kirkland location or check out our offerings and informative classes online at urbanwellness.net. That's H-E-R-B-A-N wellness.net. Reservage Organics offers you the most advanced anti-aging product available. Our organic-based resveratrol formula, brought to you from the heart of our exclusive vineyards in southern France, has been clinically proven to reactivate your longevity gene and help preserve your youth. By including Reservage Resveratrol in your daily regimen, you can enhance cardiovascular function, metabolism, mental acuity, and collagen production. If you want to regain your youthful radiance and enhance your longevity, do so with the world's finest Resveratrol from Reservage Organics. Why wait? Visit your local retailer and start the anti-aging process today. Reservage Organics, committed to the extension of youth naturally. Available online at Reservage.com and at the Vitamin Shop, Vitamin World, and Whole Foods Market. Visit Reservage.com and feel vitality today. You've been talking in your Welcome back to the show. If you're just tuning in, that's right, this is the Dr. Pat Show. I'm Candice McLean filling in for Dr. Pat today, and I have Dr. Kevin Nelson joining me to discuss his research on the biology behind mystical and spiritual human experiences. Now, Dr. Nelson, your book, The Spiritual Doorway in the Brain, is due out next week, correct? Yes, that is. On the 30th. How can people go ahead and order that book if they're interested? They can order it online through many fine uh, uh, providers of uh, books, and uh, they should be able to order an advanced copy, which won't be too advanced since it will will be shipping next week. Okay, perfect. Now, just before the break there, we were were starting to discuss out-of-body experiences, and I I wanted to let you finish your thought on that. Oh, there's less mystery about out-of-body experiences for the neuroscientists these days. The, we know that um, when the left, the temporal parietal area, that side of the brain, um, part of the brain that's on the side of the head, um, is stimulated, um, it also inactivates that part of the brain. And, and that's the same part of the brain as inactivated during REM consciousness. So as other Parts of REM consciousness can fragment and and happen during wakefulness, like the paralysis we spoke of. So, t- 
out-of-body experience. In fact, we found uh, when we did our survey of patients or of subjects who've had um, a near-death experience, they were as likely to have an out-of-body experience during REM consciousness as they were to have the out-of-body experience during the near-death experience itself. I mean, they it made very little difference to the brain if it was in a near-death or or REM consciousness, and the REM consciousness out-of-body experience is really, I think, one of the um, overlooked facets of, of being out-of-body. Uh, the Oftentimes, people will have, when they have their out-of-body experience, it'll be during a moment of, of sleep paralysis, so there'll be another feature of REM that will come along with, with uh, the out-of-body experience. Narcoleptics who have the intrusion a great amount of REM in waking oftentimes have out-of-body experiences. And people who do something called lucid dreaming oftentimes have out-of-body experiences during their lucid dreams as well. So we know... If you could actually trigger a part of the brain and, and cause someone to feel like they're floating up out of their body and, and look down and see themselves, is that the kind of experience that they would have? Yes, they would. With the flip of a switch, With you know, if switch. if they had an electrode in the right part of the brain, that that can be done. Okay, that's that's very interesting. And then beyond that, beyond that experience of floating up, what else did they tend to experience? Well, they they have a sense of lightness, a sense of motion, because where the area of the brain is that's stimulated. Um, is also around the same area of the brain where the um, vestibular or sense of motion of where we are in the gravitational field is the same region of the brain. In fact, it looks like where vision comes together, where our sense of motion and being in, on Earth's gravity comes together, where the sense of where our arms and legs are, it all kind of converges in that temporal parietal area. And if you stimulate that area or turn it off during REM, somehow that integrating all of that sensation into a, a coherent um, self, something that we feel as ourself, um, gets discombobulated and and goes awry. And and so we it appears that we're we're putting ourselves in our most dominant sense at that moment, and the most dominant sense that we have is, is vision. And so this, this research that you, you've done, what, what is the medical community saying about this research? Well, actually, the, um, the neuroscientists um, have really greeted it with uh, remarkable open arms. I was a little concerned at first because it's a, it's a topic that um, has really been out of bounds um, for neurologists um, for quite some time. Now, for many years, neurologists have sort of scoffed at these kinds of experiences. Um, but now with the advent of magnetic resonant imaging, when we can really look into you know, previously hidden functioning human brain, it's really a reawakened um, neurologist's interest in, in experiences. And I think it really, in many ways, to my surprise, um, 
neurologists have really embraced this notion of REM intrusion during near death, partly because it really relies on very well-established brain mechanisms. It's testable in the conventional scientific way, um, and it really offers a comprehensive um, explanation for many of the things that we know occur um, in near-death experience, like like the out-of-body experiences. In fact, the, our studies have been published in a, in a very, very traditional uh, neurologic journal, um, which is more inclined to uh, to publish things that show brain slices than they are about, um, uh, about uh, topics that deal with uh, human experience. So your research really talks about what's happening with the brain and how you can create some of these experiences for people. But I guess it doesn't really disprove um, the spiritual. It's just it's showing that link and how what the brain does during that time. It is showing the link. And I, I believe that really with this and other things that we know about, that the spiritual experience really is is really inextricably linked to our primal brain. But at the same time, no matter how well we refine how the brain is working during these moments, you know, even if we were to know what each brain molecule does during these experiences, you know, I believe the mystery of spirituality will always live on. Yeah, absolutely, because for someone who's, you know, had a spiritual experience, it is it is very real, so, so I can see, I don't know, and maybe there is a part in the brain that is connected to the spiritual. Maybe there's some fragment in there that hasn't been researched enough through which all spiritual connection takes place. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that there's room in the brain for the spiritual, for um, personal spirituality. There, there will always be questions that science cannot address. I mean, for example, science is good at the how, but we're not very good, and we shouldn't be touching the why. The why is a, why things happen um, is really something that is beyond science. And so I think that it's really important to recognize that fact. And you also mentioned in your book about um, different types of emotions or circumstances that can trigger a spiritual experience. You talked about the survival instinct or, or fear sometimes bringing on an experience. Can you talk oh. a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, that's very, I think, very important. The what has been forgotten is the fact that you know the brain is a, is really a marvelous organ you know and when we look at the majesty of all human um, accomplishment it's really to survey the brain's majesty you know Shakespeare's plays Einstein's theories they all things like this you know the list is endless, nearly endless they dazzle us. Um, with the grandeur and power of the brain. But at the same time that we're dazzled, we, we forget one thing. The brain's primary role is to keep us alive. And it has to keep us alive second to second and tightly regulate its own blood supply. So 
we we really have a near death experience. We have the brain or consciousness in crisis, and we really have to look at those responses, survival responses that have kept our forebearers alive for tens and tens of millions of years. And what really, frankly, astounds me when, when I look back on it is the fact that the, the survival reflexes have been really overlooked in, in playing a role in near-death until, until we uh, did our research with the REM consciousness. Yeah. The fight-or-flight responses and the adrenaline surge that I think many people are familiar with mm-hmm. is intimately connected um, with the consciousness switch that's deep within the, uh, the, the brain stem. And you know, it's a very central part of our, of our brain's fight-or-flight response is the arousal system that keeps us awake. I mean, after all, if, if you're a primate and you hear the lions roar in the brush, you shouldn't be falling asleep. You should be awake right. so you can meet. Well, you know, it sounds silly, but fact is the brain can't take being in the right conscious state for granted. It has to deeply hardwire it because all it takes is one slip up and, you know, you're, you're the lion's lunch. So it, it's so obvious it's oftentimes overlooked. So the, our fight or flight and our responses to survival are deeply intertwined and hardwired with our states of consciousness. And that's actually what I'm hearkening to when we do our REM consciousness intrusion, that the very heart and lung things that our conscious switch is connected to kind of go a little haywire during our during the near-death experience. Okay, we are going to go to another break right now. You are listening to the Dr. Pat Show. We'll have more with Dr. Kevin Nelson when we return. Invest in your life. Indigo Fusion Spa and Gallery. Offering regular meditation classes, spiritually conscious art, holistic healing services, and classes in spiritual development, and holistic wellness. This unique spa is located in Seattle's University District. For more information, visit us online at www.indigofusionsg.com. That's indigofusionsg.com. 85% of diets fail because we treat weight loss as solving a problem. A world-class musician doesn't look at being great as a problem to solve. It's the outcome. It's the result of their motivation, plan, coaching, and daily choices. The Take Shape for Life program focuses on the outcome. That's what makes it different. Losing weight is just the byproduct of getting healthy. Talk to a health coach and hear their story of success. Call 877-520-SIMPLE. That's 877-520-SIMPLE. Results will vary. Talk to your doctor before starting program. Call for details. Perna Yoga Centers provides an integrated yoga experience that encourages health, relaxation, and the inner pursuit of purpose without pretense through the natural connection of the body, mind, and spirit. Whether you are looking to yoga for exercise, improve your health, use yoga and meditation as a means of self-discovery, or learn how to teach yoga, our inspired instruction and supportive community will help you accomplish your goals. For more information, visit yogacenters.com. That's yogacenters.com. Optimize your breast cancer screening without any radiation or pain. Effective, sensitive, and widely used thermal imaging in Europe is now available to you here in the U.S., 
using state-of-the-art FDA-approved camera, Eastside's first and only breast thermography clinic is now open in Bellevue. Safe, sensitive, low cost, no referrals needed. Contact Holistique Medical Center at 425-451-0404 or on the web, drdarvish.com. Discover the ancient art of herbal medicine today. Herbs can help our bodies respond better to the modern world's stress and toxicity, as well as nourishing and strengthening. Using organic herbs from around the world, the skilled herbalists at Urban Wellness help you choose the herbs best suited for your body. See what herbs can do for your life and health by visiting our downtown Kirkland location. Or check out our offerings and informative classes online at urbanwellness.net. That's H-E-R-B-A-N wellness.net. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com. And welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. I'm Candice McLean, and today we're discussing what happens with the brain during near-death and out-of-body experiences. I'm joined by Dr. Kevin Nelson, writer of The Spiritual Doorway in the Brain, a neurologist's search for the God experience. And I want to thank you again, Dr. Nelson, for coming on the show today. Well, it's been my um, deep pleasure. And, and in this last segment, I know we want to cover a lot of things, but let's talk a little bit more about, you mentioned it during the break there, fainting and, yeah. and what kind of things happen and what causes that. I think of the many underappreciated things that, that revolve in near-death experience, one of them is the fact that I think these these experiences are are much more common than otherwise expected, and one of the reasons for that is because in our experience um, and in the experience of other people, fainting, simple fainting, can trigger a near death experience. Um, the first clue for that actually came um, in 1994 when a neurologist in, in Germany. Um, took 54 um, subjects and had them faint intentionally in the laboratory. And when he cataloged their responses, he found that they were remarkably like near-death experience. Um, and I believe that's true. I, and we, in fact, we in our series, um, fainting was the number one cause of near-death experience. Um, so, and when you consider that, Upwards of a third of people will faint at some times in their lives, and that that's pretty fertile ground for for spiritual experiences. And, your death and do experience. some people just have more of a propensity to fainting than others? Well, I think it's not just a propensity to fainting, but it's what happens during the faint as well. For example, um, if your the consciousness switch is prone to blending waking and REM consciousness, you're more likely to have a vivid subjective experience um, during the faint. Um, 
faint, fainting explains, fainting by itself explains a great deal, and confronting danger explains a great deal. Um, I don't think there's any one thing, including REM, um, REM intrusion into waking consciousness, that explains every facet of near-death experience. I think near-death experience is a confluence of things, um, you know, including a person's life experiences and their psychology, but also a good example is the tunnel. We know that when the brain is being is starved for blood flow, that the, the most sensitive tissue is, in fact, not the brain. It's the eye. And vision fails from the outside in. And as it's fading from the outside in, it gets... It gives the distinct impression of a tunnel. But neurologists have known this for for years and years and years. We consider it to be one of the cardinal signs of, of fainting. And I think that if you have an activation of the REM system, which is the very definition of REM, rapid eye movement um, consciousness, is activation of the vision system. And the core business of the vision system is light. I don't think it takes much to put two and two together there that um, between the retina failing and, and REM consciousness getting kicked in that you have an explanation for at least some of the experience of, of near death. So I think fainting is really, is really very, very important. We know actually people who faint, if you take, say, about 40 people and have them faint in the laboratory, four out of that 40 will have an out-of-body experience during their fainting. I, I fainted once years ago. In fact, I think I was in high school <laughs> preparing for a project, and I stayed up all night, and, and I ended up fainting. But I didn't have an experience, um, an out-of-body experience or anything like that. But I guess it's quite common. Well, it, it is quite common. Um, I I have not had an out-of-body experience, and I would be intrigued to have one, but um, I'm not going to uh, do um, anything to my brain that would bring that on. But once when I was an adolescent, um, and I had all the, the judgment of an adolescent, we one bored afternoon, we induced fainting to each other, and, and I, and I could, have, uh, could have swore I had an ESP experience you know, at the time. In fact, for many years, it seemed like an ESP experience. But I think, in retrospect, there are there are better alternative explanations. But but the paranormal happening or the sense of paranormal during fainting, I believe, is quite common. And with with your research, have have there been people who've given you a hard time about it, who've who've been offended by it at all? Only people who I think um, are not. Um, Certainly no one who knows about the brain has given me a difficult time. But the, sure. the greatest um, criticism I hear from the neuroscientists or the neurology community is you need more data. And frankly, they're right. We need more data. You know, I love I welcome more data. Um, but I think it's, it's people who feel threatened by that there may be an explanation um, yeah. for, for it, I think, feel the most threatened. But I, I actually feel quite strongly that it never hurts the mystery to know a little bit more about it. And so I think that that, that's really quite important. And what I've actually tried to do um, in the book um, is bring a large number of 
of spiritual stories together, not not just the near death, but um, a whole variety to show the, the the full range, or at least a fuller range, of spiritual experiences. And of course, we focus on the near death because I believe we have a a good um, established brain mechanism that explains a great deal of it. But I was, my interest is in, in the wider scope of spiritual experience. And have the spiritual experiences that people shared with you, how have, how have they affected you personally? Well, very much. Um, I, I remind you of Joe, who, uh, whose painting I kept. I mean, he really, in many ways, sparked this whole inquiry for me. Um, and in many respects, my, my sister-in-law, who tells the story in the book, in her, of her father, it's very true, in that she said, you know, does it really matter what the brain's doing? You know, it's their, it's the value, of the personal value that seems to be most important, and there's a lot of truth to that perspective. I, I think actually William James, the great um, American uh, psychologist, philosopher, and physician, I might add, um, said that it's really by the fruits that we know these experiences, not by their roots. In other words, it's, what's really important is the impact they have on people's lives, and, and that's never been lost on me. And 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 that's why I think it's really important to hold these kinds of experiences um, in high regard and, and with the reverence that that they really deserve. Yeah. So where do you think science goes from here? Do you think they'll ever find that specific part in the brain that contains that? spiritual experience? Well, there's all kinds of spiritual experiences, as William James pointed out, and the varieties of spiritual experience. One, one of the most important um, of these is what I call the supreme religious experience or spiritual experience, and that's mystical oneness. And we've really, science, when I say we, I mean science, has made remarkable advances in understanding the brain during mystical experience. We know that it most likely is um, acts through the serotonin brain chemistry, specifically the serotonin 2A brain chemistry. And we know that it's acting in the limbic system. You know, that's the emotional parts of our brain that are also activated during REM. We, know, we understand a great deal more about those kinds of experiences. There's still a lot more to know. But one of the things that I think is important is that oftentimes fear and fight or flight Adrenaline surges accompany mystical experience. Yes. And I think, you know, spirituality and science, they do need to come together. And, and one doesn't necessarily disprove the importance of the other. We, we need to ask those questions. We need to grow. And so I thank you so much for, for sharing your insight and your research with us today, Dr. Nelson. Well, thank you for having me. And for those listeners who are interested in learning more about Dr. Kevin Nelson, you can visit his website, thespiritualdoorway.org. And I thank you, Benny, for all your help. Thank you to all of you for tuning in today. We'll catch you again next week. Have a wonderful and safe holiday. Things are